Hello everyone, Tom Kislingbury here. I host the Read and React podcast along with Sticky Z. We talk about all aspects of leagues that use individual defensive players, including player value, projecting performance, training camp battles, scouting, and lots of statistics. IDP can be off-putting to those of you who haven't done it before, but it's really not that difficult. After all, even an Englishman can manage it, so you should be fine. So if you already play IDP, you're looking for a new fancy challenge, or if you just love football, come and give us a try. Cheers! Listening to the Dynasty League Football Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome to yet another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am your host, Dan Myler. With me once again this week are my trusty sidekicks, Matt Price. Matt, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. Looking forward to getting into more of these rookies. Yeah, more of them. We we covered all of them last year, last week, <laughs> but uh, we're going to cover them again this week. Ryan, how are how are you on this fine evening? I'm doing well. I'm good. Uh, just like Matt, ready to talk rookies. That's that's the only thing to talk about right now. It, rookie talk rules. Right. Everybody's talking about rookies, but for good reason. It's the only thing worth really talking about. Um, last week we talked about landing spots specifically, and we'll probably touch on that just a little bit this week as well. But since Ryan, you, you spent so much time and effort putting together that rookie ADP right after the NFL draft, I thought we'd take a deep look at that rookie ADP, kind of examine where these guys are going, where we think they should be going if they're not in the right spots and who those, uh, who those diamonds in the rough might be as we go, go through our rookie drafts. Now, I've already, I already have one rookie draft in the rearview mirror. Ryan, are you, uh, are you deep into your rookie draft season? Yeah, I've got, uh, let's see, I have three done. I have two more that are underway right now, or I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of those. So, yeah, I'm, I'm five deep so far, about ten to go. Yeah, I have the one completed, a uh, couple kitchen sink auctions going on as well matt how about you how uh are you getting deep into these rookie drafts i've got one draft in the books another draft that's going on right now the catch tune two wins that i have no picks in so i haven't even really paid attention that much to it and then i have all three capitalist pigs auctions going and then another auction on top of that um and i got saquon in all three capitalist pigs leagues so i'm pretty stoked about that Okay, so so a quick brag there from Matt. Uh, so we'll mute him for a minute uh, since he got that in. Let's talk a little bit about this ADP. Examine where where these guys are falling in in these mocks that you put together, Ryan. And we might as well start at the top. Uh, the first pick in all ten of the mocks should be Saquon Barkley, and was Saquon Barkley. I don't think there's anything we can say about that that hasn't already been said, Ryan. Uh, is there any situation or any draft or any type of league where you're not taking Barkley one? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I mean, even if you're looking at a super flex league that we talk about a lot on here and, and we all enjoy, um, even with some nice quarterback uh, landing spots and draft capital, I, I can't imagine taking uh, any of the quarterbacks over Barkley and, and certainly can't imagine any running backs or receivers ahead of him really in any format. Yeah, I can't either. I did have one 
one question from a fellow owner in uh, in one of his other leagues that asked about a uh, a two quarterback league where he was absolutely just desperate for quarterback, and I suggested the only the only option there would be to trade down yeah. uh, or take Barkley and then trade Barkley for quarterback options. Uh, Matt, let's send it to you with that second pick. According to those mocks, it was Darius Geis in nine of the ten mocks. That was a little surprising to me. Is he the no-brainer pick that those mocks suggest he is? I have Barkley obviously in a tier of his own, and then I have Geis and Chubb in kind of like a little mini tier right after right after those two. So I think I think I have settled on Geis as the 102 for myself, but I would not argue with anyone who wanted to take Chubb there. I think Geis is in a little bit better of a situation. The only back that he's really going to be competing with, I think, is Chris Thompson, and we know that Chris Thompson has quite the injury history. So there's a good chance that Geis is, despite what the coaches have been saying, that that Geis ends up being you know a, a three down back for them, and I think he can catch passes better than uh, the narrative is. And, and if Chris Thompson were to go down, then I think you're looking at a real uh, real asset there in Geis. Whereas Chubb, you know, he's got both um, both Carlos Hyde there in front of him, presumably for the short term at least, and then uh, um, Duke Johnson also taking away some of that PPR upside a little bit. So I think I have Geis ahead of Chubb, but I wouldn't argue if uh, somebody wanted to take Chubb at two. Yeah, Matt, I, I follow the same logic. I, I choose Geis or I lean towards Geis over Chubb and some of those others because of uh, the opportunity there and and really our thoughts of Geis going into the NF, NFL draft. Ryan, what about you? Who's who's your second guy? It seems like this is a this is a big tier of running backs two through as far as maybe six or seven. Uh, who's that running back for you that you're picking second if you're holding that second pick? It's Geis for me as well, um, but kind of like Matt. Um, I- these these three running backs I have I have three in a row ranked I think maybe maybe mine are a little little different than Matt's or a little bit closer but I've just found myself flip flopping these three running backs uh, really since the draft so it's guys for me but I think the line I keep hearing myself say uh, and, and Matt just said it I wouldn't argue <laughs> you know that that just shows how close these guys are. If you want to put Chubb ahead of guys or Penny, or I've even seen Ronald Jones go second, I wouldn't argue with you. That's how close uh, that second tier is. I think the second tier, just like you said, Dan, goes from two to seven. Yeah, so I I agree with you guys. I have Geis there at two, and that's where he fell in these mocks. The third guy was Nick Chubb, as, as Matt kind of talked about there. He went as high as the third pick and as low as the sixth pick. It feels to me... Like that sixth pick is a bargain for Nick Chubb. Uh, wasn't going there regularly for sure. I have him ranked fourth. I would actually take Ronald Jones third. Uh, I really like that landing spot. And I'm not quite as harsh on those those skills uh, as, as some others. I like his explosion and think he fits into that Tampa Bay offense perfectly. Um, but Chubb is the guy in the ADP, Ryan. What are your thoughts on him being third? And who's that fourth guy you were you were thinking about? I guess I'm a little surprised he was third, and and we're talking about just fractions of uh, of numbers here in in ADP. Chubb was four point three. Uh, Rashard Penny is my fourth guy, the the third guy in that tier, and uh, and I know we'll we'll get to him soon, but he's he's close behind. With the draft capital of Penny, I I was surprised Chubb held on to that third spot, I, I guess. But I, I like him a lot. Carlos Hyde doesn't really scare me. Not a player I've ever really been a fan of or or been impressed with. So I, I feel like 
I feel like Chubb can win that job. I would be a little more worried about Duke Johnson take, taking away some of those pass-catching opportunities for Chubb. Does this situation remind you guys at all of Derrick Henry, DeMarco Murray, when they drafted, they brought in DeMarco Murray and then brought in Derrick Henry? I hadn't thought about that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like they're different kinds of backs. And, and honestly, I feel like Chubb is, is more talented than Henry was uh, both coming out of college and, and probably just right now head to head. Maybe that says more about what I think about Henry, though. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. I, I hadn't thought of it until you mentioned it there, Matt. And that's a nice comparison, though. I don't think anybody's going to be super shocked if it fall, follows that timeline a little bit and Chubb takes a little bit of a back seat. However, uh, it feels to me like most in the Dynasty community, at least, and definitely, I would, I would say definitely in the NFL Draft Twitter community, um, see Chubb as a more of a lock to get instant playing time than, than what we saw in Tennessee. Uh, what are your feelings on it? Um, I, I struggle with it because I do think he's better than Hyde, but Hyde is not a slouch and he caught whatever it was, 50, 50 passes or whatever it was last year. So I think in addition to the obvious Duke Johnson taking away catches, I think that, that, uh, uh, Carlos Hyde could as well. So I, I think if he, if that situation does play out, then, you know, I think, I don't know. I, th- I, th- I still think Chubb is going to hold his value into next season, kind of like Henry did. I think the other option there, and it's a little bit different, I think, but is uh, with Freeman and Coleman in Atlanta. You know, I- I'm not worried about an RBBC and our running back by committee situation because there's very few, you know, quote unquote, three down workhorse backs in the league anymore. And if there is one, it certainly could be Chubb. I just, I don't know. I just have a little bit of trepidation with him there. That's why I have him just like a notch below guys. Hmm. Interesting stuff for sure. And, and I'm a Chubb fan. I Like I said, I had him at four. The guy I have at, at, at three is Ronald Jones. I had Rashad Penny a little bit lower, and, and Jones and Penny are the guys who come in at four and five. Penny just ahead of Ronald Jones. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on these two falling ahead of these wide receivers uh, who we'll get to in a moment and then ahead of a couple other running backs as well? I actually have Jones as my fifth back and Penny as my, let's see, seventh back. So I'm a little bit lower on these guys than you are. Jones is a player that, I, I, for me, if I'm taking him, it's based solely on landing spot and that the fact that he's going to get, you know, basically lion's share of the, of the touches and carries there. Um, and for Penny, I, I just, I'm not, I'm, I, I, was, I was a bigger fan of his before the landing spot. You know, I think he's a back who has really good vision and lateral agility, and I think he's going to need that in Seattle uh, with that offensive line. And, uh, I just, I just feel like, so I, so I looked at football outsiders earlier today and they had this, this rank, this, uh, this metric or whatever you want to call it called the stuffed rankings, which is basically just tracks how often the running back was tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage. And so on 29% or one in every 3.4 carries, they were quote unquote stuffed, which was dead last in the league. And I know that line's probably going to get better. They traded for Jane, Dwayne Brown at the end of last year. So they have done a little bit of work on it, but I just really worry that uh, he's not going to have those giant holes open for him like he did at San Diego state. So I'm a little bit lower on him than it seems like the consensus. Yeah, and just to be clear, I'm not I'm not too super high on Penny. I have him all the way down at number eight. Your thoughts, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, regarding that's that's an interesting stat that I I hadn't heard specifically. But I mean, you also have to consider the quality of running back. Um, it's true. You know, looking at at these guys like C.J. Procise and and Carson, who I mean, either have proven 
to basically disappoint or they or Seattle just had little invested in them anyway. I've I've actually been surprised at the penny hate and or maybe we shouldn't go that far but the low penny rankings and him falling uh, to six, seven, eight in some of these rookie drafts or rookie mocks that I've been following. I mean, obviously he has draft capital on his side, whether you want to say that Seattle reached or, or not, them taking him in the first, to me, means something. I think he has no competition in Seattle at all. Uh, again, going back to a couple of those guys we mentioned, and, and I mean, they've just had failure after failure there since Marshawn Lynch left. So I think he's going to see a, a huge amount of volume. I mean, I I just feel like I, I'm just shocked to see him really outside of the top five in some of these rankings and, and drafts. Yeah, I'm one of those guys that have him outside of the top five, Ryan. And, and I just can't get over what I saw every time I, I, I watched him play. I think the naysayers, myself included, that watched him play at San Diego State saw a guy who didn't break tackles well and seemed like he could be taken down with arm tackles on a regular basis and that's just not something that translates to the NFL all that well so those kind of things scare me I agree with you that the draft capital is excellent the landing spot is really good because there's not not any uh, any other players, any other tailbacks in that backfield that are going to take a lot of those opportunities away from them. Every time I, I, I look at Penny, I think of a guy that I came across a few years back, and I'm not comparing the players necessarily, but the situations maybe, and how I felt about the player. I was not high on Bishop Sankey, and I got sucked into that bubble when he was drafted by Tennessee and he was one of the top or maybe even the top running back taken that year. And I fell for it. And it kind of feels like that's the type of thing that is happening here. A player I'm not that excited about has the draft capital, has the situation. And I'm, I, I feel like I'm getting pulled in that direction. And you could say the same about some other running backs in this class. If, if somebody's not as high on Ronald Jones, they might be saying the exact same thing. So that that's really the reason that I feel Penny is being overdrafted and I'm looking for him to be drafted in those top three, four or five and pushing a different player back down to me. Go ahead, Matt. I have uh, two more things on, on Penny. One, I just, for a 220 pound back, you touched on it, Dan, like he does not run through those arm tackles. He does not run with the power you would expect a back that big to run through. And if he's not getting any push from that offensive line, I just really worry about that. And then the other argument is, okay, well, then they'll just they'll just dump it off to him, right? But a, I think he, I don't think he can protect Wilson if they need him to, which I, I would think that they are probably going to need him to in a lot of cases. And listen, I, I know it's a it's a name that is not uh, uh, super popular, but I think Seattle really likes J.D. McKissick, and I don't think he's going to completely go away uh, as a receiving back. So I think his, his PPR upside is, uh, is limited a little bit as well. So that's kind of why I have him below really the last of these first-round running backs in, in dynasty drafts. Hmm. Interesting stuff for sure. Both Rashad Penny and Ronald Jones fell between three and seven in each one of Ryan's ten mocks that he did here for DLF. Uh, after the running backs, then we start talking a little bit about wide receivers. DJ Moore fell sixth in those mocks. He went as high as two and as low as eight in the mocks. But first wide receiver to go, I believe, in each of those mock drafts, Ryan. Uh, what are your thoughts on his landing spot as far as this these mock drafts go, or as far as ADP goes? Is DJ Moore the sixth best player in, in your on your big board? 
Yeah, I think that's that's about right. I actually have him ranked fifth, I believe, in, in my personal ranking. So I'm on board with slotting him here in, in the sixth spot. Again, I, I think that's about where he should go. He's he's another guy I've kind of been back and forth on, not necessarily his, his talent, which I definitely believe in, but more his situation. Of course, landing there in Carolina, being the first wide receiver drafted, that's that's obviously a good thing, but it's just going to be so close to see how how it plays out. I mean, guys like Calvin Ridley, we know where he stands. He's going to be the second option at best in that offense. We know where you know Cortland Sutton stands. He's going to be the second option at best in that offense, at least for the next year. With more, I think you could make a case that he's the fourth the fourth option in the passing offense. Or he could be the top option. And I think that that lends some volatility to his value right now. Uh, but in, in the middle of the first, I'm glad to take him. I, I recently took him at 1.07 in one of my drafts. Yeah, I saw him go eighth in one of my drafts. And I thought that was good value, although I don't have him as my top wide receiver. Matt, what are your thoughts on Moore landing at sixth in the ADP? I have him lower than that. I have him as my tenth player, and again, I know I know that's low compared to the consensus. But I, I he's my third receiver in this class. I, I like Ryan said. I, I'm not super confident about the landing spot. I feel like he does a lot of the same things that McCaffrey and if um, if uh, Curtis Samuel is healthy, that he can do as well. So I'm just not sure where he fits in that. They, Carolina's brought in these three guys that kind of do similar things. I do think Moore can play on the outside better than than those other two, obviously. But I just I question that, and then I also question really just the one one year of production. That's kind of like been on my mind the last week or so is the fact that he only really did it in one year. And the last time we had a receiver drafted highly, that only did it one year, and they're not the same player. And I like him better than Kevin White, but that was Kevin White. We had one year of production from him, and it hasn't really worked out with him. I know there's a lot of injuries history there, um, but I just I'm not confident in it. So he's he's my third wide receiver in this class, and I have him at uh, tenth overall right now. Yeah, I have more at seven. So I, I feel like he belongs right in this range. The guy who went seventh, according to this ADP, is running back Sony Michelle. He was drafted as highly as fourth and as low as eighth. So about that same range as all these guys that we're talking, uh, the three or four running backs we just covered, as well as DJ Moore. It feels to me, Ryan, like perhaps Moore might get bumped down one spot uh, next month when we do this, perhaps, because... He went second in one draft, and that rises his ADP slightly. Michelle, on the other hand, seems to be going higher than what the this ADP suggests in, in a lot of the actual drafts that I've been looking at. And I've looked at a lot in the last few days particularly. What are your thoughts on Michelle landing at seven? And do you think he could be a riser as this, progress, this progresses? I think he could. I mean, I think we could certainly, like you said, see him jump ahead of more there. We've heard and seen lots of people say that the first eight picks, the first nine picks even, should all be running backs. And and I get that with this wide receiver class. It is um, in some ways uninspiring. And we know what we saw from the running back class last year has people chasing that position uh, in general. I actually got Sony Michelle with the 1.08 pick in my very first rookie draft this uh, this off season just a couple weeks ago. Well, really immediately after the uh, after the NFL draft wrapped, I thought that was great value. I can't imagine him going really any lower than that. 
And, and yeah, I do expect him to move up some, especially once, once new England kind of clears the fat and maybe gets rid of Gillisley or, or one of these other guys. Yeah. And that's, that's all possible. We we've, we've heard uh, rumblings of things like that. Uh, it'll be interesting to hear the news come out of Foxborough and see if uh, people are raving about Sony Michelle and, and that, you know, you always talk about draft capital, Ryan, we all do. And he certainly has it as well. Matt, Michelle, mixes in with Royce Freeman who came in eighth in ADP and then carry on Johnson who is ninth seems like all these guys are drafted in the same range Michelle just a little bit higher than the others your thoughts on this trio of of running backs seven through nine in ADP I have Michelle sandwiched in between those two and Ronald Jones is just one spot above him as well I I don't know I just I know it's 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 very cliche to just just and kind of lazy to just say he's another Patriots running back, but I honestly don't think he's going to see even 200 carries in this offense. Um, and if he's not getting 200 carries, then he's going to be competing with Burkhead and he's going to be competing with James White for for a reception. So I'm I, I'm not really sure what I'm doing with Michelle yet. I don't like him as well as as as, as another couple of guys as Jones has previously discussed. And then I actually have Royce Freeman as my fourth in this class right now. Um, I, I just, I just love the spot there. I think he's, he's got great vision just like Penny, but I think he's a more intelligent runner. He knows how to set up the defenders on the second and third levels, and he's more physical than that. And I know, um, Devonte Booker is there and is probably going to take some catches from him, but I just think Freeman is going to take that, that job. So I'm more confident in that. And then carry on Johnson. I, I think this is one of the best landing spots. This is where Detroit is where I wanted Darius Geis to go. And I know this year it's, he's got Blunt and Theo Riddick ahead of him and, 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 um, uh, Amir Abdullah is still hanging around a little bit, but Detroit is quietly building a, a really tough offensive line. I, I think it's kind of gone under the radar a little bit. And if we go into 2019 with Carryon Johnson as the starter, I really think that he is going to end up being one of the best picks in this class. And of course, I like the fact that they traded up to get him as well. So it shows that they really wanted him. Yeah, I have a little bit of trouble with those last two running backs as well, Freeman and Johnson that you talked about. Uh, I have them slotted in after a couple of these receivers that we're about to talk about, and that puts them right at the end of the the first round at 11 and 12, and I feel a little bit queasy about it. I feel like like I might be too low on each of them, and either one of these guys could explode and, and have that big rookie season, take that big step, and then I'm the guy with egg on my face that wasn't taking them. And, and, and you have to, as Ryan said earlier, there's a lot of dynasty owners out there that are going to be looking to the running back position and taking these guys at 7, 8, and 9 and not letting them fall to the end of the first round. Ryan, are, are you taking these running backs as highly as the ADP suggests? Uh, not quite. Uh, I mean, th- those three guys, and, and when I say three, I'm, I'm kind of grouping Jones in that in that group myself with Freeman and carry on Johnson, basically as guys, I wasn't necessarily sold on entering the draft. Obviously I think all landed in nice spots with uh, nice draft capital. Both of those things are boosting them up for me, but I'm, I still prefer DJ Moore. I still prefer a couple of the wide receivers that, that we'll get to here at the later part of the first round. Me as well. The next one, the, might as well talk about the guy I've been waiting to talk about, I guess. Eh. It's Calvin Ridley. I have him as high as number six in my rankings. I would take him as the top wide receiver. And after those top five running backs, Barkley, Geis, Jones, Chubb, 
And Michelle, uh, he is a ridiculous bargain in these rookie drafts. As far as this ADP suggests, uh, he fell between as high as 8, as low as all the way down to 12. And if you're stealing Kelvin Ridley with the last pick in the first round coming off a championship season, your team just got better. Matt, what are your thoughts on Ridley falling at 10? And we might as well lump these other two wide receivers at the end of the first round in as well. Cortland Sutton at 11, Christian Kirk at 12. Both of them went as high as 8. Sutton as low as 13 and Kirk as low as 12. So all the all all three of these guys are in the same group at least as far as this ADP suggests. What are your thoughts, Matt? Yeah, Ridley has r- risen to my wide receiver one in the class. Um Thank you. He's, That's yeah, about he was time, at, Matt. He, he was at <laughs> Ryan's giving me the thumbs down. But he was my wide receiver three before the draft, and this landing spot is perfect. I mean, think about the last time Matt Ryan had a route runner as good as Calvin Ridley. They had Roddy White, and he did some pretty darn good things with Matt Ryan. So I'm pretty excited about it. I don't think he, he has, a, has any shot to overtake Julio Jones, but, I mean, I can easily see eight, 900 yards in, in, his, in his first season pretty easily. Um, and, and once Jones finally does move on, I think he can probably take over that number one role um, really all to himself. So I'm pretty excited about that. My wide receiver two in this class now is Christian Kirk, just one spot ahead of DJ Moore. I, I just love that spot. I think he's going to be Josh Rosen's best friend. He's going to get to learn from Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, I, I'm really in love with his landing spot there. I've seen some people have him as their wide receiver one, so I don't feel too crazy about that. And then Sutton, I have just just below Moore as my 12th player, as my 1.12, basically. Uh, I, I do think he's going to have to sit behind both both um, uh, Emmanuel Sanders and, and Demarius Thomas, but he seems like a perfect Demarius Thomas replacement in a year or two. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that there. But uh, he's he's at the tail end of that first round for me. Ryan, anything to add to the those receivers? Yeah, Kirk is also my wide receiver too, but he's behind Moore as the wide receiver one. I I moved Ridley way up based on that landing spot also. And he's a guy, I kind of mentioned this on Twitter, I think. I I had felt like I was a Sutton fan throughout uh, really the past couple of of years watching him. And I don't know if it, I don't know if it was that landing spot. I'm not sure what changed for me, but in one of my leagues, I have a pretty strong team. I'm a contender. I have the 1.11 pick. I come up on the clock and actually I'm chatting with you guys, kind of getting your input on what I should do. Sutton felt like the obvious pick to me based on my rankings, but that's that's when I knew I needed to change my rankings because I ended up going with Calvin Ridley. So uh, Ridley's now my wide receiver three, Sutton now my wide receiver four, um, and, and really, first of all, this twelve that we're get that we're talking about here feels like a pretty strong twelve. But that first round, I, I feel like there's kind of a gap between these 12 and everybody else. And and we'll get to some of these other guys too. But I I think most of the drafts you look at, it's going to be these 12 players in some order, but Sutton feels like if somebody's falling, it's probably him. He's the guy that's, that's kind of taken a hit in the dynasty community or in dynasty value uh, over these past couple weeks. I think you made a really good point there, Ryan, that this, these 12 is a really strong 12 and probably it really feels to me like the best first round or at least the best 
end of the first round that we've had in in years, really, uh, to think about championship rosters choosing between Ridley and Sutton and Kirk. Those are pretty good options for sure, and it, this is definitely one of the best years to have multiple first-round picks, even if they're late. Let's move into the second round, fellas, and we'll shoot through these a little bit quicker. Let's lump a few of these wide receivers going at the top of round two together. Michael Gallup comes in at 201, James Washington at 202, Anthony Miller at 203, followed by Dante Pettis at 204. I really like this group as well, fellas. They It seems like a, a nice mix of guys waiting for their turn and some upside guys that maybe got drafted a little higher than we, we thought. Pettis is a guy that I, I, my eyes just keep going to when I'm on the clock early in the second round or or when I'm making those bids in those kitchen sink leagues, Ryan. Uh, that's that, that's a name that catches my eye because of the opportunity and the quarterback that he's associated with. I think we saw how much he's moved up since the draft with this ADP moving all the way up to the 16th spot. What are your thoughts on these receivers? Yeah, it certainly is an interesting group. Pettis was a fourth rounder prior to the draft um, and a player that I know all of us liked and, and were kind of targeting with maybe those late third, early fourth round picks. And the 49ers really botched that up when they took him in the second round. That changed everything for him. Michael Gallup is another guy who has... Uh, really seen his value spike not only because of because of his draft capital but more specifically obviously that landing spot and the potential to be the new wide receiver one in Dallas Um, I I don't I don't think anybody saw that coming so we talked about that strong top 12 if anybody's breaking it I think it is Gallup I have seen him go in the first round of a couple of drafts in fact, as high as that 8-9 range. So uh, of all these second-round guys, if anybody's breaking through, it's probably him. James Washington is is a guy I still am a big fan of. He kind of lost some value due to that landing spot. I think people view that as a negative, maybe being behind Brown and uh, and Juju Smith-Schuster there in Pittsburgh. I'm just, I'm just one that's basically going to trust whatever the Steelers do when it comes to wide receivers. People honestly were saying the same thing last year about Juju because he was behind Brown and Bryant. And, uh, and of course, that kind of found a way to work itself out. I, I don't think it'll play out the same way as it did with Martavis, but, uh, but I do see an opportunity there for Washington to get on the field. They, they have really, as long as I've been playing fantasy football, they've been using three wide receivers and, and getting some productivity from all three of them. So I love that Washington's kind of lost value and, and maybe he's a little cheaper than he should be. Yeah, your ADP suggests he goes as low as 17th, which is blasphemy, really. That That's uh, just stealing. And I agree with you. Three wide receivers can be productive for dynasty owners in, in Pittsburgh, and, and Washington has the talent. And that coaching staff has shown that if, if they have a talented player waiting in the wings, they don't wait, wait around for them. They're willing to use them for sure. Matt, anything to add to this foursome of White Oaks? No, not really. I have them ordered Miller, Washington, Gallup, Pettis, but that's pretty fluid rankings. I 
couldn't, I, I, I wouldn't be upset no matter what order you have them in. And I actually have a fifth guy into this in this tier also. Traquan Smith, I think, deserves to be kind of up there in the early to mid second conversation. So two of these guys were were some pretty heavy anal, draft analysts, wide receiver ones. Michael Gallup was P, PFF's wide receiver one, and Dante Pettis was Matt Waldman's wide receiver one heading into the draft. So um, both of these guys are, are great early second round options there. I kind of like Miller a little bit more just because of the work ethic and and the fact that he's going to be paired and not have to deal with number one pressure. And and James Washington was my favorite wide receiver heading into the draft. So I'm not really really willing to give up on him just yet. Um, I I know it's a little bit – kind of a little bit silly that they paired him up with Mason Rudolph too. But if you think that Ben has two to three more years left, you know, we really could be looking at James Washington and Mason Rudolph as like, as, as a pairing there. Not that he's necessarily going to jump Brown or, um, uh, or Juju, but you know, that's a pretty attractive spot. I think if he ends up with his college quarterback as well. Another guy I really wanted to, or was looking forward to talking about was Mike Gesicki. It seems like the dynasty community turns a cold shoulder to that landing spot a little bit. Landing in Miami uh, isn't necessarily the the best landing spot and certainly doesn't look like um, dynasty gold or anything like that. We're not going to see him instantly become that that instant star, perhaps. But I really like Gesicki's game, Matt, and uh, feel like it's not quite as bad of a landing spot as some people may suggest. How do you feel about Gesicki checking in at 17th overall in the ADP? Yeah, this feels about right to me. Um, middle of the second round is where we've been taking him in all of our mocks. I, I do have uh, those five receivers we just talked about, including Traquan Smith and Kalen Balaz, just above him, but I don't mind taking him anywhere in the, in the middle of the second round. Miami is obviously a team that has a hole at tight end, and they really just need playmakers in general, and, and somebody that athletic could certainly be that. I don't think that his film really measures up to those ridiculous measurables he put up at the at the combine, but when you're on a team like that that just you know has a is kind of devoid of talent, honestly, um, I, I think he's going to figure into that offense for sure. Ryan, it seems like the cream's going ride, to rise to the top here. Gusecki's bound to catch balls in that offense and went as low as number 21 in these mock drafts that we did. That feels like stealing to me. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think so too. I, I, he was already my tight end one really throughout this pre-draft process. And I think after the after the NFL draft with some, we could say some, some bad landing spots for the other rookie tight ends, really I think – I think they're the ones that got hit the hardest when you're looking at, at some poor landing spots. There's, I really can't see any other argument for anybody but Gesicki as, as the top tight end for fantasy and dynasty. Yeah, and as we'll see as we go along, we don't see another tight end for a little while. So the dynasty community is catching on to that. One thing that those drafting in these mock drafts may not have caught on to quite as well is your guy ESB, Ryan, uh, slid in the draft in the NFL draft didn't necessarily slide necessarily slide in these mocks that we did. He fell in the second round of every single one of the ten mocks, as high as seventeen and as low as twenty three. Seems kind of goofy to me that he he'd go above those other Packers receivers who Green Bay chose ahead of him. Uh, I recently did a a real draft, and he went 31st, so that brought it down to earth just a little bit. Um, you're the you're the ESB fan among us, Ryan. What are your thoughts on the former Golden Donor? 
Well, I mean, first of all, clearly I was I was disappointed uh, with the way the draft played out. I mean, pre, pre-draft, he was my wide receiver too. So obviously I believed in the talent. I, I don't think I could have hoped for a better landing spot, but I certainly hoped for a better draft capital, a better situation overall, because not only was he a sixth rounder, but Dan, like you said, he was the third rookie wide receiver drafted by the Packers. We've seen them do this before, basically um, throw some darts and hope one hits. Usually one does for them. But at this point, based on, on what the NFL has told us, I'm not willing to, I'm not willing to throw that dart and, and gamble on St. Brown inside the top 30. I just don't get it. I, I, actually, I mean, I've had people question how I could come off him so quickly, moving him from wide receiver two out of the top 24, which, which is a fair question. But um, I mean, I'm not, I don't consider myself any kind of scout. I liked what I saw when I watched him play, but for 32 NFL teams to pass on him for five rounds plus that tells me something Uh, I've, I've got, I've got some concerns about him now and it didn't take me long to move him from wide receiver two way down the line. I'm not even sure what he is for me now, but uh, I would be comfortable taking a shot in maybe in that third round range. You mentioned 31 overall. That's kind of where I would go at this point. I mean, I don't want to be critical of anybody. I've seen him go in the second round a ton myself, not only in these mocks, but in actual drafts that I'm doing. I just don't get it, honestly. Yeah, I was on the clock at 30 in that drop draft and chose Jamon Moore, one of the other Packers receivers, the guy, the guy who was chosen first. It seems logical that the the Packers like him most and feel like he has the most potential to succeed. Matt, your thoughts on on the Packers wide receiver group and specifically St. Brown? Yeah, it's, it's crazy that he's going that high. Um, I, I have seen some rumors that one of the reasons why he fell is because he refuses to play special teams. I don't I have no idea if that's true or not, but it would make some sense. You know, especially those later round wide receivers, you want them to be able to contribute in some way if they're not going to uh, uh, be on the field as a receiver. So that's something. Uh, and yeah, I could not take him anywhere except for maybe like the late mid to late third. You know, there's a, there's there's probably. I don't know, six, seven receivers, eight, maybe eight receivers that I would rather have have than him at this point. So uh, Jamon Moore, I definitely have above him. I don't really know anything about the Marcus Valdez scandling character, um, but uh, I, I guess I probably wouldn't take him ahead of him. But but I don't I don't know. Ryan, you have something? Yeah, I do think there's there's been a lot of talk about this, obviously, and especially people that commenting on it to me and I did see an interesting argument or or a question you know this time last year the Packers took three running backs uh taking Jamal Williams first Aaron Jones second and and you guys can remember the third guy uh whoever that was in the late round it seems like everybody was a big fan of Aaron Jones and they didn't let draft capital change anything basically you know, even though they, even though the Packers took Jamal Williams first, everybody, almost everybody, I should say, maybe except for Dan, was on, was on Aaron Jones instead. So, what's the difference here? Why, why are we sticking so hard to draft capital right now? It's an interesting point for sure, and the, and the other running back that you're forgetting is Devontae Mays, yeah, uh, who didn't make much of an impact as, as a rookie, and I don't think many people were too excited about. Maybe Mays is the equivalent 
to uh, Valdez Scantling, <laughs> uh, who who is a fourth round guy in rookie drafts. So you know, it's it's an interesting thought. I don't know if I've necessarily thought of it that way. It seems to me like at this time last year. Many of us were were fell on the Jones side, and many of us fell on the Williams side, and and it kind of feels like Moore and ESB are getting that attention right now. So I guess it doesn't make it all that crazy to to be a St. Brown fan at this point. I have I have one other comment here. It, it does seem like the Packers are trying to build a, a giant wide receiving core. I think all three of these guys are six three or six four or, or, or taller even. I think it was is ESB. I think six five. Yeah. Um, so it seems like they are trying to to build some towers there to go with Devontae Adams. It it seems to me like they're like Ryan suggested earlier. They're trying to get one of these guys to stick. They want that big target that can run a little bit, go up and get the football across from Adams and and with Cobb in the slot. So they definitely had a type as they were looking in this draft. They they went and got three of them, and as Ryan put so eloquently, uh, they just hope one sticks and, and one can replace Jordy Nelson, I guess. Let's move on to 207 in ADP. This is where we start to see those quarterbacks. We see a pair of them at number 19 and number 20. Baker Mayfield comes in as the first quarterback taken. He was number one among quarterbacks in five of the ten mocks. When his high is 15, as low as 24. Then Lamar Jackson at 208, as high as 18, and as low as 26. Lamar Jackson was the consensus quarterback one among us on the podcast, fellas. It seems like that has switched over to Baker Mayfield. It certainly has for me. Matt, what are your thoughts as we compare those two uh, athletic quarterbacks? It's it's probably wrong, but I I still think I want Lamar Jackson over him, even just based on price. You know, if we're going to factor that into the equation, so I, I just still love the upside that he offers. Not that I don't like Baker, also he's my two, and I mean I could maybe tomorrow I'll feel differently. You know, with these two, so uh, it, you have on there how high up does he go in a super flex? I think Baker is probably up in the one two consideration for sure. I would probably take him at three or four. But I, I, I just, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's a weakness in my game. I just love Lamar Jackson. So I'm, I'm going to still stick with him over Mayfield when you factor in price. Ryan, it seems like you're, you've flipped over to the Mayfield camp. Thoughts? Yep, I have as well. Um, I, I really think all three of these top quarterbacks are, are closely ranked, kind of similar to what we've seen with, uh, with the wide receiver position, with the second tier of the running backs. Uh, we could see them go... In, in really in any different order right now for me it would be Mayfield I actually have Rosen as my second and then Lamar Jackson yeah I do as well and we see Rosen come up here shortly at 210 sandwiched in there with Kalen Bellage. Um let's shoot through the end of this second round before getting to our mock draft fellas Bellage is 209 followed by Josh Rosen 210 DJ Shark comes in 211, and Traquan Smith with the last pick in the 12th round, according to the most recent rookie ADP at DLF. Ryan, your thoughts on this group or one or two of them? Yeah, I feel like uh, I think Dan already, uh, I'm sorry, I think Matt already mentioned uh, Traquan Smith. He's a guy I like as well. Love him in the late second and, and would be willing to take him higher than that. I think this is a great spot to pick the quarterbacks as well. If I have a late second, that's probably what I'm looking for is hoping one of those three quarterbacks slide. Matt? 
Yeah, I echo Ryan's thoughts there. I, I'm not. You mentioned DJ Chark at two eleven. I'm not a fan of his. He feels like just another another like dart throw it for for uh, Jacksonville. There, I guess he could presumably overtake Keelan Cole or uh, 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 D.D. Westbrook, presumably. But I don't think he's going to going to take over the spot from from Dante Moncrief. So. I don't know. I, I I probably wouldn't take him till the third round. Personally, I would rather slot up either Goddard or or Callaway up where at the late, end of the late second if we're going to um, move Shark out. But yeah, Rosen right there. I, I think Rosen. The, the difference between Rosen Jackson and Mayfield from a value standpoint is they're basically the same, um, and it's just basically take your favorite flair, player flavor. Uh, Traquan Smith talked about it a little bit already. Just love the landing spot. I think he could easily slot in as the second best option there in, in the receiving game for, uh, for for Drew Brees in New Orleans. So Matt mentioned Goddard and Callaway as third round steals. They fall in the ADP in that third round. It seems like there's there's a bunch of potential diamonds in this group. I like Sam Darnold as the second pick in the third round. Uh, another name that catches my eye all the time, of course, is Deion Kane. He came in at eighth overall in the third round, even though he doesn't have that uh, draft capital. I do like the landing spot, the potential to be catching passes from that quarterback in Indianapolis. If he can get on the field, uh, is it certainly seems nice to me. And the last guy I'll mention is Jamon Moore, uh, landing in Green Bay. He's all the way at the bottom of the third round. Any diamonds for you in that group, Ryan? Yeah, it kind of starts to feel ugly here for me a little bit. I'm actually probably looking at Hayden Hurst at this point. Um, I mean, the, all, all the jokes about the age, we know all those, but um, he, he's, again, g- kind of similar, I guess, to Penny. The draft capital, being a first-rounder, hasn't impacted his ADP maybe like I thought it would. Um, still being in this mid-to-late third-round range. Factor in the, the value loss for Goddard, the value loss for Mark Andrews, and Hayden Hurst is probably a guy I'm looking at in that mid to late third. Yeah, he's an interesting one for sure. Matt, John Kelly falls in the middle of the third round. Are you buying there? Oh, you're, you're killing me with John Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do I do still love him. I, I, I will probably have a couple of shares there at the end of the third, but he's obviously blocked uh, uh, by, by the incredible Todd Gurley. Um, you know, but if Gurley gets hurt, you know, I think he could make a main name for himself too. I think he's probably better than Malcolm Brown at this point. He's certainly a better pass catcher than he is. So, um, but the other two guys I wanted to highlight real quick was Antonio Callaway, who I, I think a lot of people have called him, you know, if he had played in 2017, that he might've been the, the wide receiver one in this class. Um, he's been training with Antonio Brown. He has a little bit of a turf toe or something. He, uh, he did something really dumb and got, got caught smoking weed at the combine, which is, I don't even know how you can possibly do that. Uh, uh, and then the other guy here is Deshaun Hamilton. I, I actually think it's pretty feasible that he might outproduce uh, uh, Court and Sutton in year one. Obviously, I think Sutton is a more talented player, both physically uh, um, on the field. But Deshaun Hamilton, I think he could slot right in as their as their slot receiver. And you know, it's, it sounds like that they may or be falling out of favor with uh, with Carlos Henderson. And if that's the case, then Hamilton could be their wide receiver three right away. The last guy I want to mention who didn't come in in the top 36, didn't even show up in the top 48 of the ADP, is Troy Fumagalli, the running back, or the, excuse me, the tight end, drafted by the Broncos. I think there's an opportunity there. I drafted him very late in my one rookie draft, including all rookies. 34th overall, I got him. And feel pretty, pretty good about him there as a dart throw. 
Uh, so a guy to monitor at the very least going forward. Fellas, let's give the people what they want. We better do a mock since we didn't do one last week. I did a random drawing, and Matt, you got that first pick, so you get to take... Saquon Barkley. Okay, so Barkley goes first, and Ryan got the second. Mm, yeah, I don't want the second pick. Um, <laughs> I will take Darius Geis. So Geis goes second. Uh, I, of course, have Geis second on my board as well. Um, so I'm going to go and against the green just a little bit. Currently, I have Ronald Jones third in my rankings. Again, really like the landing spot, like his explosiveness, and think he fits in that offense perfectly. So that's going to push a good player back to you, Matt, at four. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to get Chubb here, um, so I guess I have to take him. I, I do. If I was, if it was in a normal draft where Chubb goes third, my fourth guy here would be Royce Freeman. But there's, I think there's potential for me to get him later with you guys a little bit lower on him. So Chubb seems like an easy, pick, easy pick here. I do think that if I don't have the 101, I think I'm trading down, you guys. Like I just, I feel like I would rather trade. If I had 102, I can trade down and get a couple of picks in that late first range and, and be just as happy as I would with guys or Chubb. So that's going to be my move for any pick but 101. I think I think that is the move but I also think I think that's much harder to do this year than than it has been in past years like I was offered the one two for the one seven and one eleven and it was it was a pretty easy pass for me so just just as an example Uh, I think I'm up with the fifth pick and I'll go with my fourth ranked player Richard Penny okay so Penny goes fourth or goes fifth, excuse me, putting me back on the clock, uh, which leaves me with Sony Michelle as my pick at number six. I'll take Royce Freeman here. Uh, let's see. At the eight spot, I will take DJ Moore. Break the wide receiver seal. Yeah, so, so <laughs> Ryan gets his number one receiver. And at nine, I'll take my number one receiver, Ridley, who in in a real draft, I would have had a a lot of trouble choosing between Michelle and Ridley at six. But at nine, it feels like a bargain to get him that late. And the ADP suggested he will. Matt, who's going 10th? 10th for me, again, is going to go back to running back with on Johnson for reasons previously discussed. It, it, I would have a probably a, a coin flip situation here between on Johnson and, and Christian Kirk for me, but uh, it seems like going ahead and get one of those top-tier running backs. I will, I'll take the other side of the coin there at 11, and I'll take Kirk. Kirk, I was really hoping you'd go with Sutton and leave me with uh kirk at 12 but i guess i will go with sutton at 12 then there's other options so to recap the first round saquon barkley of course goes first then darius geis second ronald jones goes third uh followed by nick chubb rashad penny and sony michelle at six the seventh pick was royce freeman followed by dj moore at eight calvin ridley came in nine then carry on Johnson at 10, Christian Kirk at 11, and Cortland Sutton comes in at 12. Matt, it's back to you at the 13th pick. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Anthony Miller here. My heart is with James Washington, but Miller has a, has a better situation to produce in year one, so I'll take him here at 201. I will take Michael Gallup at 2.02. So this is that group that we talked about at the top of the second round and i actually have james washington at the top of that group so i will take him at 203 
Um, and back to me, so I'll go ahead and take Dante Pettis here. Ryan, 205. I think there's one player left in this tier. It's tied in Mike Gusecki, so that's who I'll take. Wow, I really should have thought this through before I accepted that third pick. I could have lied and said I didn't do a random, <laughs> randomized list. I got stuck on the outside looking in once again. There is a tier break here, but the obvious choice for me is Traquan Smith of the Saints, so I'll take him at 206. The ADP said it was Equinemius. Oh, I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is probably high, but I love the landing spot, so I'm going to take Kalen Balazs here at 207. Is that right? Yes. The The number is right. The pick was bad. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. He's better than Drake, I'm telling you. <laughs> That's not saying much. Yeah. Oh, boy, dig. <laughs> 2.08. I will – ooh, I think I'll go with a quarterback here. I'll go with Baker Mayfield. So, Matt – you have a history of being sniped by Ryan. He's doing the same thing to me now. I'm sitting here at 209 <laughs> wanting my top quarterback, but he's gone. So I'll pivot over to Josh Rosen and take him at the 209. That makes it pretty easy for me to go ahead and take Lamar Jackson here and finish off those top three quarterbacks. All right, this is actually the exact spot I'm sitting in right now in one of my leagues. I'm on the clock with the 211 pick just as I am here right now. These are basically the options I'm looking at uh, also, and, and I'm trying to make that decision. I think both in this league and in my real league, I'm going to go with Antonio Callaway at 211. Nice value there for sure with the last pick in the second round. I'm going to go back to tight end. Might not be the most popular pick just because he's going to have to sit and wait and play back up to to Zach Ertz's starter, but I'll take the South Dakota guy. I'll take Dallas Goddard at 24. So that wraps up the second round of our mock draft. Anthony Miller went first, followed by Michael Gallup and James Washington. Fourth was Dante Pettis. Mike Gusecki came in at number five, followed by Traquan Smith. Kalen Balaj and Baker Mayfield was the first quarterback taken at 208. The second round ended with Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson, Antonio Callaway, and Dallas Goddard. I think we have time for round three, fellas. Who do you have at the 301, Matt? Uh, well, Sam Darnold is sitting here staring at me, so I'll go ahead and take him at 301. Seems like a nice bargain there. Ryan, you're up at 302. I think the player I was considering versus Callaway with that last pick was Naheem Hines, so I will take him here. At 3-2. I was not considering Naheem Hines, so I'm excited that my guy got through to me. Uh, you guys are going to be not surprised by my pick here. I'm going to take Deion Kane at 3-0-3. Makes it pretty easy for me to go ahead and take Deshaun Hamilton at 3-0-4. Uh, this, is, this is another spot where it's gotten pretty ugly, so maybe, maybe a little bit of a teardrop here. I guess I'm going to gamble on some draft capital and go with Hayden Hurst. I don't feel great about it, though. Yeah, it, it starts to get a little iffy, for sure, in the in the middle of the third round. Um, I'm going to go with draft capital a little bit, too, go with the athletic freak. This seems like the time that DJ Shark should should go, so I'll gamble with him in the middle of the third round at, two, at 306. Uh, well... There's two guys that I'd really like to have here. I think one will make it to my next pick. So I'll go ahead and take Kiki Cootie out of uh, uh, Houston 
Um, I really like the way he fits in that offense. I think he can slot right in as their three there and potentially be better than Will Fuller on the outside there. So uh, I like that quite a bit in the mid third. Ooh, I think I think this is this is probably where I would go with my guy. This is the range I would feel comfortable uh, taking a shot on Equinemia St. Brown. Ryan finally pulls the trigger on ESB. I wasn't going to take him no matter what, Ryan, to see when you actually would. Uh, he falls at 308. I'm going to go with another Packers receiver. I'll go with Jamon Moore. And with my last pick here in the third round, I'm going to go off board a little bit and take a guy who's kind of coming rising up my board, Jordan Lasley with the Ravens. I think there is a spot there for him that he could even produce in year one. You know, John Brown has the injury concerns. Willie Sneed, we don't know if really if he can still play or not. So I think there's potential for him to produce in year one and really take over for Crabtree once he moves on there. Yeah, I don't I don't really want any of these guys. Um, <laughs> now, th- this would... This might be another spot where I would almost trade down. If somebody wants to come up and, and get a player they believe in, I would almost rather have, if I had the roster space, I'd almost rather have three fourth rounders than, than a late third or even a, a mid third. Uh, but we've got to make a pick here. I will, I'll go with John Kelly. I'll, I'll steal Matt's guy. So Kelly ended up going in the third round. I thought maybe he'd, he'd slide through. It's an interesting group of guys, and I agree with Ryan completely. There is a big group in that, in that mid-fourth area that, that I'd like to take a shot on a couple of those guys, uh, a couple of tight ends for sure. Uh, Mark Andrews is a guy that's interesting with this final pick. I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling is, is – we're, we're reaching – uh, his his spot where he could go potentially, and uh, Josh Allen's still available as well as Darius Fountain. But I'm going to go with my Wisconsin guy, go to tight end, and actually take Troy Fumagalli over Mark Andrews. I like that landing spot. He's a pass catcher, and the Broncos need it in that offense. So Fumagalli is going to go 36 overall. So the third round goes. Matt started things off with Sam Darnold, then Naheem Hines went second, followed by Deion Kane and Deshaun Hamilton, three and four. Then Hayden Hurst went fifth in the third round, followed by DJ Shark and Kiki Cutie. ESB finally got off the board at 308, followed by Jamon Moore and Jordan Lasley. And then John Kelly came in at 311, followed by my guy, Troy Fumagalli. So that's going to do, do it for our mock draft hope you enjoyed it also going to do it for this week's episode of the dlf dynasty of podcast for matt and ryan i'm dan myler i appreciate you guys listening and catch you again next week